Hi, this is Steve. If you were in architecture school, one of the classic topics of discussion is the way in which sometimes form follows function and sometimes function follows form. For instance, if you needed to build a fire station, the structure of the building would have to incorporate sleeping and living quarters, facilities to store, maintain, and access a wide variety of equipment, in addition, of course, to that cool fireman's pole. In this case, the form of the building, its physical structure, dimensions, and design are dictated to a great extent by the function that building must perform. On the other hand, if one had access to an abandoned fire station, one might ask themselves what new function this old form might be best suited to. When we started The Cinephiles, the functional goal of the show was to have a great conversation about great films. The form we chose was simple, free-flowing, and relatively brief. Our early episodes were rarely much longer than an hour. As the form changed, as we went into greater detail and stayed close to the actual timeline of the film, so did the nature of our conversations. We found ourselves going deeper, exploring new ideas with a far greater specificity. And the deeper we went into the details, the more details of the film we wanted to explore. In other words, the change in form naturally dictated a change in function, which in turn led to even greater changes in form. I don't think there's any more stark evidence of that evolutionary process than the contrast between our first discussion of Raiders of the Lost Ark almost four years ago and our current two-part exploration with special guest Shannon McClung. And of course, in my opinion, the only way to explore Raiders with its incredible craftsmanship, great storytelling, and thrilling action sequences is in-depth. Otherwise, you miss all the details that make this a great movie. So, if by some miracle you still haven't seen it, I think you need to follow the clues to cinephiles.net where you can find Raiders along with every other movie we've ever reviewed. Then come back on Friday to hear how function follows form and form follows function in this epic new episode of The Cinephiles. Indy! Indy, we have no time. If you still want the Ark, it has been loaded onto a truck for Cairo. Truck? What truck? <laughs> Welcome back to The Cinephiles, where we continue our exploration of Raiders of the Lost Ark with very special guest Shannon McClung. When we left Indiana Jones, he had discovered the location of the Well of Souls, which means the production has now traveled 2,300 miles from the Sahara Desert to Elstree Studios in London. There's lightning, there's a storm coming in. Here, we've hit stone! And Sala says they've hit stone and they brush around to find the edges. The sound design is beautiful. Sala gets a crowbar down in there, and he, all alone, lifts like a 9,000-pound stone. Yeah. Sala is strong. John Reese davies is a big guy. Big like, dude. <laughs> not in The Lord of the Rings, he's not. <laughs> oh, um, you said that. I did. <laughs> right, he's a tough dude. Um, and I love that there's gas that comes out. You know, and you get the sense of, oh, my God, this has been open forever. I don't know why there's gas coming out. Because yeah, right. clearly there's, you know, <laughs> there's oxygen. There's there. snakes living in there. <laughs> but there's gas that comes out. And great, great shot of Indy as they look down. And then they look in and a crash of lightning. And there's that statue in Sala's reaction, which is great. <laughs> and then we get Indy. Why does the floor move? <laughs> we drop that torch down there and we see all the snakes snakes 
Why did it have to be snakes? Again, we've had a perfect plant and now a perfect payoff. Asps. Very dangerous. You go first. <laughs> so good, yeah. So good. And now it's Marion and Bella. If you're trying to escape on foot, the desert is three weeks in every direction. So please eat something. Then he immediately pulls out this dress. Which one... I don't know where there's a tailor <laughs> in the desert, but did you know when they were doing this scene, the whole drinking game, mm. that was not in the script. Really? Nope. That was not in the script. And Spielberg, because uh, uh, Karen Allen had an issue with yeah. She's like, why do I get in this dress? That doesn't make any sense. And she and uh, Paul Freeman improved out. They ad-libbed out, like, this is how we're going to justify why I'm going to get in this dress, and it is to hide that knife. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. And and this is where I don't see her quite as damselly as you do. Um, I would say this, and I think women have known for centuries how they're being treated in films. And so for us to go like, oh, you know, it's a new thing, it's great. I just think, I like, even on the set, she knew it made no sense totally. for me to wear a dress totally. at this point. You know, so they come up with this idea of how to do it. So um, The scene is great. Yes, very good. The You know, starting from the creepiness of him watching her change in the mirror and then the, her dropping the thing onto the knife to conceal it. And then we cut to... Indy getting lowered down towards the snakes. Mm. By the way, this is a huge set, 30 feet tall. And you think about everything they had to build into it. You had to build stuff for them to be up on top. You had to build uh, these huge statues. You had to have holes in the walls. You had to have the statues set up so they can collapse because the whole set has to collapse for stunts. I mean, this is a really complicated thing. And one of the things that happened is when they loaded in the snakes, is Spielberg look at it and says, we don't have enough snakes. Set's too big. We, I need, and, and I love that you, you know, this is the weird things in film. Spielberg turns to his guys and is like, I need 5,000 more snakes. <laughs> and they go, okay. Apparently, throughout all of London and most of that area of England and all of Amsterdam, there wasn't a snake in a pet store <laughs> anywhere. They brought in 7,000 snakes. Imagine getting those approval from the studio. I need 7,000 more snakes. What are you talking about? Well, I think our connection's a little fuzzy here, yeah. Steve, and you need what? Well, if this is like, you're a crewman, like you have to go to the pet store, it's mm. like, I need all your snakes. You what? I'll bring them back. You know, like, I need 10,000 marbles, please. Well, they, <laughs> when they had rubber snakes on the set yeah. as well, and that was one of the things, like, there's the, the rubber snakes really stand out because we don't have enough real snakes crawling over them. Yeah. By the way, both these scenes juxtapose each other, both having to overcome a snake-like situation with him, the actual snakes, her Bella, right? The the snake himself. Okay. So to get to a prize for her, it's her freedom. For him, it's the Ark. And so it's kind of how they're mirroring. deep outlaw shit right there. I'm just saying. No, that's a good one. I just thought about that. That's logical to me. Um I mean, you know. And they lower him down. Of course, he's swinging out over the snakes. Then finally, they kind of just drop him right in front of a cobra, which rears up. <laughs> I love that. And of course, there's a glass between them. That's what. That's what. Because all of these snakes, none of them are venomous, but that cobra will kill you. They had people yeah. on the set with anti-venom, like, ready to go. And there is glass between Harrison Ford and the cobra. I remember as a young kid watching Ricky Tiki. Tavi? Ricky Tiki Tavi. And with the mongoose and the snake, yeah. right? This was the second time that I remember 
understanding the power of a cobra snake after having seen that animated mm. kids thing. And so to see it here was like mind blowing to see how that thing could rear its. And I was like, oh my God. And Indy's got some gasoline and he lights a whole bunch of snakes on yeah. fire and he's like, Solid, get down here. <laughs> but by the way, snakes don't actually vocalize, they don't make sound. And so the sounds for this are running your fingers through cheese casserole. <laughs> That's the snake sound. Just as gross. Yeah. Just yeah. as gross. Yeah. And also, I think wet sponges on top of a, a skateboard. The, oh. Because there's that rough part on the snakeboard and just. Oh, wow. <laughs> sound is weird. Yeah. <laughs> sound is like a weird job. Yeah. Um, and we're back to Marion, and there, and and you know he pours him his drink of whatever his family whatever is, and he takes a little sip, and she shoots it down. It's like the <laughs> anti Quint and Jaws, where he offers him the shot, and and Quint shoots it, and Brody takes a little sip. What also a great take from Belloc as well. Oh yeah, sort of like shit. Yeah, yeah. I got to do this. <laughs> Back in the Well of the Souls, Indy and Sala walk to the Ark. We hear lightning. We hear the Ark theme. They go to either side. The two guys lift up this huge stone thing. No way two guys could lift a rock that big. (laughs) It's huge. Um, The sound of that sliding off, the... That is a toilet lid. The back of the toilet tank, when you take it off, that is that sound. And if you listen to it, it is it, it that is that it sound. is absolutely that sound. Yeah, um, <laughs> John has taken off a lot of toilets. I've had to fix some toilets. <laughs> I've had to fix some toilets too. Yeah. And they push it off, and it crashes. And on the crash, we have a hard cut to them drunk and laughing with Marion Bella. <laughs> the scene is so funny. It's so enjoyable. And uh and I love her pouring and missing. Um and and, and it's funny because we know that she has incredible alcohol yeah. consumption powers. By the way, when he auditioned, he got the part, he's a British actor. Uh what's his name? Freeman? Paul Freeman. Paul Freeman. <laughs> and uh and he went away uh and he was going off on vacation he's like it's weird spielberg never actually asked me if i can do a french accent which i he could mm-hmm. and he's literally on vacation and gets called back by spielberg <laughs> he goes back to me and he goes can you do a french accent <laughs> he does a couple of sentences of french accent he goes oh, okay and then leaves again <laughs> and she grabs the knife and even going out she goes i like you very much perhaps we we'll meet someday under better circumstances <laughs> do you think she really likes him no. Oh, I kind of think she I does. I totally really? think she likes you. Absolutely. Do think like- I think she's totally sincere. Really? Yeah. Indy's still in the doghouse. He left her. But you don't yeah. think she's playing him like a fool? Well, she's a woman playing feminine him. Wiles? But in this moment, I think she's actually, she. the whole plan was to play him. Right. That's no question. Yeah. But she actually enjoyed his company. And in this moment, she's like, I know I'm pulling a knife on you and I have to get away, but I kind of like you. I mean- I don't know. You captured me. You tied me to a pole. Then you put me in a white dress. And I'm going to like you. He only he put her in the white dress. He didn't capture or tie her to the pole. Well, he was people he's related, people he's connected to. Did those Nazis and stuff? I don't like him. I think he's a scumbag. I, but I think Mary. So I don't we'll, think Marion likes him at all. Cinephiles, we will ask you. <laughs> sure. Do you think that Marion is sincere when she says, uh, "Perhaps we'll meet someday under better circumstances"? Yeah. Unfortunately, she's not going anywhere. Because in watch Major Tote. We meet again, Fräulein. You Americans, you're all the same. 
Always overdressing for the wrong occasions. <laughs> Which makes no sense. Which makes no sense. <laughs> Great line, though. No sense. And then he takes off his coat, and he has this item that's a chain and poles. And I remember as a kid going, this is weird nunchucks or something. You gotta beat her up with those things. And there's a big musical build, and it's a hanger. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so fun. That joke seems almost like in a different movie and I love it it's great now what should we talk about (laughs) we're back in the well of souls they put some poles through the ark nod from Sala and the ark is its own light source wherever Mm. it goes it glows just like we had the golden glow off the statue earlier they lift it up we see the shadows of them carrying it through they load it into a crate good thing they had a crate that was precisely the right size for the ark and they start lifting the ark up and now it's sunrise and Belloc is with the Nazis you like her too much I think your methods of archaeology are too primitive for me you would use a bulldozer to find China And just at this moment, he looks up and sees a bunch of guys working on this ridge. And then he runs up to a higher level and says, wake your men, because he's figured it out. Mm. The torches are running out in the Well of Souls. The Nazis are coming up. Sala gets pulled up on a rope, and the rope drops down and drops and drops. He calls to Sala. Sala! Hello! Hello! Why, Dr. Jones, whatever are you doing in such a nasty place? Terrible. (laughs) And this really is the elements of the cliffhanger story. You know, we're going to go from one. Marion gets put in the truck and it explodes. Continued next week. You know, we got trapped in this place. Continued next week. These are very much the cliffhanger elements. So once again, Jones, what was briefly yours is now mine. What a fitting end to your life's pursuits. You're about to become a permanent addition to this archaeological find. Who knows? In a thousand years, even you may be worth something. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> I, love, I love that performance. I love it. But I do not wish to leave you down in that awful place all alone. Slimy pig, you let me go! And he pushes Marion in. <laughs> and she grabs onto the mouth and then falls and he catches her and her first reaction is traitor get your hands off me and she falls right into the snakes and then crawls up on top of him <laughs> and she mounts him yeah <laughs> and fortunately like spielberg harrison ford they were not scared of snakes karen allen was not a fan but she wasn't afraid of snakes right i'm not afraid of snakes i've handled snakes i've been around a couple of snakes 7000 snakes <laughs> snakes like all over me I don't know that I do that well. Right. Well, and you look hard. at how they're both costumes. Like uh, Harrison Ford is in boots. He's in <laughs> leather. Pants, he's in a leather jacket. Yeah. She's in a dress yeah. with no shoes. Yeah. <laughs> and her arms are exposed. Yeah. Um, one of the interesting things that Spielberg did. So he this was his most planned out movie so far. He storyboarded every single thing. He built models of most of the set. He ran uh, little action figures and cameras through the models to plan this all out. And what he would do, which I find so strange because it's kind of the opposite of my thinking, but now that I understand why he did it, it seems really, really smart, which is that at the beginning of the day, he would take out all his storyboards and he would show the crew, which I totally understand, this happens and this happens, this happens, and then he would talk the cast through all of the storyboards. This is everything that we're gonna do and this is the story. And normally in class, I tend to say to directors, you know what, 
you don't need to tell your actors all about shots and cameras and their job is to be focused on the work that they're doing. They don't need to know so many of the technical aspects and generally that can be distracting. Um, but in this case, and I think particularly for a film that is really created in shots, really has kind of an action element to it. Often when you're on the set, you're only doing one individual thing. You don't, particularly as an actor or as a cameraman too, like understand how that fits into the whole by having Spielberg talk through the whole scene at the beginning of every shoot, you actually really do have a feeling of what uh, how everything fits together. Mm. And I could see it if you were doing a Marvel movie or you're doing you know something where there's so much that you're not seeing. To have someone walk you through this process would actually be a pretty smart thing to do. Yeah. Um, Harrison Ford didn't really care that much. He would walk away and go, <laughs> whatever. Just tell me where to stand. The girl was mine! She's of no use to us. Only our mission for the Führer matters. I wonder sometimes, monsieur, if you have that clearly in mind. It was not to be, Shirley. And Tote walks off laughing, and they close the lid, and just, it closes with a no cut off. Which is very much Chewbacca's scream in Empire Strikes Back Mm -hmm. when they close the gate when Han Solo's outside. Yeah. I think it's a very similar sonic moment. We're inside with a bunch of snakes. Our torches are going out. We're waving them at everything that slithers. Um, and <laughs> this whole place is slithering. Yeah, including <laughs> there's something on his side, and she throws the torch at the whip. <laughs> um, and of course, in the midst of all this, Indy is kind of pissed off about her dress. Yeah, like, where'd you get this from? Um, he managed like the woman that he left in the tent, basically possibly to die. Mm-hmm. He's still a little jealous of. Uh-huh. She's like, well, I, exactly. I'm yeah. not disagreeing that he. I'm saying. Yeah. Why aren't you prepared for me? Why are you going off with somebody else? I don't know, because you left me in a tent, jerk. I 100% agree. And then he tears her dress to try to make a little bit more fire, and he's still trying to figure out how to get out. And then he sees snakes coming out through the walls. That wall is hollow. And he climbs up onto one of the statues. At one point, he's got a torch in his mouth, and there's a snake that comes at him, and he spits the torch, the snake... Uh, he spits the torch at the snake that falls down and lands on top of Marion. <laughs> and he starts pushing on that statue. And I remember this was like, on like, that's entertainment or that's Hollywood or whatever those shows mm-hmm. were. This was a clip that got played all the time. Him pushing against that wall moves that giant stone statue, which crashes through. One thing that's interesting, as soon as we this happens, there are no snakes. <laughs> right, right. The snakes cease to exist. In their place, we get a shit ton of skeletons. And this is really... And he uses that same technique of Marion screaming, and we see the skeleton face screaming. There's a top-down shot with all the skeletons feeling like they're reaching for. They push so far that these skeletons can move right to the edge of these being actual like alive zombies or yeah, something yeah. and it's and the shot of like a skeleton with a big mouth and a snake coming out of that oh. mouth <laughs> oh my god so freaky and well and this is the thing about these movies is they are scary yeah like they 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 are fun kind of scary and we debated like whether or not to show it to jacks and what we did was we like we're gonna stop here's what's about to happen and this is exactly what it is. You don't have to watch this part. And then we're going to start again over here. And we talk through, we went through everything very slowly. <laughs> uh, to get, You know, because they're like three or four genuinely scary things in this yeah. movie. Uh, and then the skeletons are gone. 
So Indy finds her, they find light streaming through a stone, they push out the stone, and we have escaped the Well of Souls. Hey, Finally! And yet, there in front of them is an airplane, a flying wing, because the Ark's going to go on a plane. Mm-hmm. And we move from one intense, thrilling action sequence into right into another, which is kind of amazing. That Ark gets loaded, we're already going to be on the plane. And so Indy sneaks up to the plane again. He has a perfectly figured out plan in his head about how he's going to do everything <laughs> that he's going to do. Um, by the way, this flying wing was built for the uh, for this movie. Oh, yeah. And this was a plane. This is this whole design of a plane. I think was kind of a a thing that never really was real. It was like an experimental idea. That's my understanding. Right. The, yeah. I think they. I think they. There were designs for it, but they never came to fruition. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and apparently, like, this was supposed to be a much smaller action sequence, and Spielberg just kept adding to it as they were on the set. Yeah, I think they had they had storyboarded it out, and then because he started adding stuff, he threw the storyboards away. He's like, let's just, he's like, I guess that took, like, three days, and they were like, let's just have fun. Let's just figure out what else we can add here. What's that like to just say, let's do stunts and let's just have fun? That's that's let's what just, you can do. That's what you can do after you've made uh, Jaws. I guess so. Yeah, power and money. Yeah, yeah. In close encounters and all those kinds of stuff, you can say, "All right, let's just have fun." Yeah. <laughs> um, let's and burn your money. And Indy climbs up on on the plane to go after the pilot, and then the guy sees him and he kicks that guy in the face. Mm. And as he's fighting this guy who has a big wrench, who sees him in the tent but our friend Pat Roach, who we saw before. <laughs> this is the best one with him. He. <laughs> He looks huge and oh. terrifying. And what I love about his character is he's excited to have the fight. Yeah. 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 It's been a long time. It's been a long time since <laughs> he's gotten his knuckles bloody. He's so excited. You know. No one in the desert wants to fight. Yeah. Exactly. Was afraid of well, him. And, he, and he gets to pick on someone who is not his own size right. at all. <laughs> at the uh, Indiana Jones uh, epic stunt, ste- stunt spectacular at uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios in Orlando, Florida. Okay. They do this sequence. They, oh, wow. They oh, really? have, yeah, they have a variety of guys who play the German mechanic. Wow. Yeah, they don't make him shave their heads, though. Oh, they don't? No. Oh, okay. So how do you know he's the German mechanic? Because uh, he's got the tank top on. He's typically a big guy. Oh, okay. Well, this, this, but this guy didn't have a tank top. I was going to say, the guy's shirtless. Oh, well, yeah, he can't be shirtless at a Disney park. Wow. God forbid. I didn't know that. Really? That, that's be... that's my guess. Even in Florida? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because all the characters, I think with like all the princesses, especially like Jasmine from Aladdin, they redid all their costumes to make them less revealing. Oh. So they can't be shirtless either. Nope. God, no. <laughs> Um, after 10 p.m. Disney after dark. (laughs) Um, uh, And Marion comes up to help out. And uh, I love the way this happens. Indy is taking out the one guy with the wrench. He's climbing up on the plane. And here comes Pat Roach going, come on, let's fight, let's fight. And Indy comes down. Oh, he's tired. He's like, oh, he's so <laughs> doesn't want to do it. Right, yeah. because I mean, Okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, because you look at this, and yeah, we're seeing this in the movie, and there's time, Pat, but it feels like these fights are one on top of the other. So when he has that reaction, I don't know if it was a direction from Spielberg or Harrison, uh, as, you know, kind of realizing the character, doing the, oh, my God, like that kind of thing. I wonder if them being aware of the situation it was a smart move to have that reaction. Well, wait, wait, wait. Well, hold on, because oh. to me... He's, I mean, obviously he is tired, yeah. but he's faking it in this moment to to lull Pat Roach into a false sense of security. What, you think he's doing that? No, I disagree. I think he, I think he hasn't slept all night. Yeah. He was in the well, Willis There's no question night. that he's, t- but watch, he comes down, he's got his head kind of hanged down, yeah. and then he bursts into motion and kicks him in the balls. Right. It's a full, like, 
fakery moment. I think he fakes with because he sees something on the ground. Like he sees something on the ground. He's like, "Ooh, what's that?" And that makes the German mechanic look down. I think that's the moment he tries to lull him in. It's not. Yeah. I think that is honest exhaustion right. when he's well, on the plane. And there's others that he can't be both, right? He can't that's, be. Yeah, that's right. He, he is be, tired. Yeah, he is that's tired. True. And then when he gets <laughs> down, as he's making his way down, he's coming up with how he's going to lull him into a sense to kick him in the nuts. I love to the like you kick the guy as hard as you can in the balls, and then zero react. Yeah. <laughs> Smile. <laughs> there is a dude who is uh, like a, a well-known martial arts guy who specializes in getting kicked in the balls. Wow. And there was some that was like, a, it was on TNT or something, like a martial arts mm-hmm. kind of the science of martial arts. And they went to this guy and they had people like kick him in the ball, like real martial artists, kick him as hard as they could in the balls and he would have no reaction. Wow. And they did x-rays on him and ended up that he had built up all this extra like bone and scar tissue over time from the repeated nut wow. shots over his scrotum <laughs> i mean you, i have to i will try, i don't know, don't know if i can find a link to this but i'll try to find it it's ridiculous this feels evolutionary I, right right it's, it's, it's like to adapt to the ball shots eventually we will create that around our scrotum i would hope so because to survive it does seem to be a natural weakness um uh, but not a weakness for Pat Roach, who apparently just takes the shot, and then with one jab, Indy goes down. Uh, this is one of my favorite Indiana Jones fight scenes, this one right here. He's, and the thing is, nobody, like I said before, nobody gets his ass kicked better than Harrison Ford in any movie. Well, especially that part. Yeah, especially that part. He could punch, right? Exactly. Because he's, <laughs> it's just like, it's such an unwinnable fight. It's so obviously an unwinnable fight. And by the way, Indiana Jones is a bit of a cheat. Shoots, oh, sure. no, shoots the a... dude with the blade, kicks the dude in the nuts. This is not a fair fighter, this Indiana Jones guy. No, absolutely right? not. <laughs> yet he's still <laughs> a hero. Throw sand in his face? Yeah, yet he's still a hero. Well, here's the thing. I, well, I, I think that we have to discuss, like, what are the Marquis of Queensberry rules when you're fighting an <laughs> army of Nazis who want to steal the Ark to take over the world? That's a fair point. <laughs> you yeah. go like, oh, you don't throw sand in their faces. That's cheating. <laughs> have some morals. <laughs> That's a fair point, actually, yeah. Okay. And of course, and, and this is the great thing that Spielberg does, is he's not going to do just one thing, is that a lesser filmmaker, by the way, I should point out there's some suddenly some construction going on where we're recording, so if you hear some odd noises out there. I apologize to everybody, it's, it's earthquake retrofittings going on, we're recording this in my office, and I had no idea that this is what was going to happen, so we had scheduled this already, so please bear with us. It's like they're digging for the ark right now. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> Visualize that as you we hear had, us talking. We, we had Ben Burke come in to do the sound design for this to give you just that extra something. But what I was going to say is that in any other film, in a lesser film, you would just have Indiana Jones fight this big guy, and that would be great. Yeah. And, and, and if you did have that, it's a great fight scene. But we're not going to do just that, because we're going to continue to add layers to it. And the next layer is that we have the pilot with a pistol yeah. trying to take a shot at Indiana Jones and I didn't know who that pilot was. Yeah, it is Frank Marshall <laughs> the, one of the producers on the film because all the stunt guys that day were sick. Oh. And so Steven Spielberg said, Frank, put the outfit on and at, at first he was very enthusiastic oh, this will be fun. It ended up being three days in that cockpit in the scorching, you know, desert heat. I mean, put yourself in a glass domed airless thing in 120 degree outside the glass dome weather with the sun beating down on you. I think every producer should have to have that experience. (laughs) Shut the hell up about actors complaining about stuff in on sets because that's what the experience (laughs) is like. Sometimes every job has their pros and cons, and that's one of those cons you hate. I think this is one of the big misunderstandings of what filmmaking and acting is, which is that because you see 
people expecting, uh, you know, accepting awards and then they're in tuxedos and they're wealthy and they're in fancy cars, all this stuff. It's like, it doesn't matter the scale of the production. At some point, you're going to, it's going to be hot. Yeah. You're going to be there all day. Or wet or, or rainy or cold or, or the middle of the night. Think of The Revenant, the yeah. DiCaprio movie. Like ah. they were. They were in. They were in that environment, oh, and there God. is no escape. There is no like magical way to not have that happen. Like it, it, that is what filmmaking is. And the extras have it worse. Oh, terrible! I mean, that stuff on Wind Talkers was. One, I never will do it again because of that experience on as an extra. The I don't get a nice trailer or a silver blanket to put on. We all had to huddle and cough on top of each other in a bus. Yep. It was the worst. Yep. <laughs> um. Yeah. It's it's funny. Even as budgets go up and up and up. Still going to be bad. Of course. Um, by the way, speaking of Indy not fighting fair, he bites the guy on the arm. <laughs> um, Just desperate stuff. <laughs> and again, he's almost getting shot. And Marion, uh, she's going to come and help out. And she sees that the uh, the blocks that are holding the wheel of the plane. And so she grabs them to use as a weapon. And Marion knocks out the pilot with the blocks. So we think that's going to go well. But the window, the dome comes down on him and he falls forwards onto the controls. And now, in addition to fighting this one guy, the plane has started to move. Yeah. So like Perfect. now we have the guy Indy's fighting. We have a guy trying to shoot him uh, who's on the plane. And now the plane with these big propellers starts rotating. Um, and by the way, when this happened, uh, one of the wheels rolled over, Indy, rolled over Harrison Ford's leg, tore a bunch of ligaments. Oh my God. It sounds like he just... He refused medical attention and kept going. <laughs> you juxtapose that with what happened to him on uh, The Force Awakens when one of the doors oh, that's right. went down on his leg and yep. they stopped production for a few days. <laughs> he's not 30, he's, not, he's he, not 35 anymore. Yeah. <laughs> As Shaq once says, 35 ain't 75, bro. Or 75 ain't 35, bro. So he had to take some time, yeah. Well, well, and again, this goes to the earlier point of making movies is not a cakewalk. No, it's very like, difficult. It is hard. What do they call stuff like this? Like stunts like this, madcap. What is the definition for a stunt like this? Which that stunt? involves hilarity oh. as well as the legitimate a comedic life. stunt. Yeah, a comedic. But there, uh, there's legitimate life and death stakes at the same time happening. I here. don't know that I know of a name. Yeah. Nor do I. Okay. Yeah. I'm but come there up should be. I, yeah. I think that's it. I think we could call them madcap for now. I don't know. This yeah. should be a name. Feels like but, a madcap well, stunt. This is something. It's something we talked about literally since we talked about this movie. Four years ago, is that we can treat violence in totally different ways. Oh yeah, and even though there's total life and death stakes, and we and we've been really afraid at certain points in this film, this is fun. Yes, we're having a ball watching these stunts as as scary as they are. Marion is locked inside of one of the dome, and so now we have to get her out while Indy's getting just taken apart (laughs) by Pat Roach, and she realizes she has a machine gun. So she opens fire and she takes out a whole truck of guys. So to, to your earlier point, finally, Marion is now kicking some ass. She is. But now we also have a classic, another classic Indiana Jones thing, which we'll see in other films, is just she's not in control of that machine gun. So she's used it beautifully to do one thing, but then she also hits the fuel tank. <laughs> um, and so now, which doesn't blow up, because it now, in addition to having... Indy fight this huge guy, which would have been enough in another movie. We have a plane spinning around with giant propellers, and we have gasoline rolling down a track towards them. We're like, oh, God, this is getting really, really bad. 
and Indy uh, rolls like under uh, away from one of the wheels that's about to crush him, and Marion hits another fuel tank, and now we have an explosion. Yeah. So now think of all the layers we've got. We've got the battle with Pat Roach. We've got a moving plane with giant propellers. We have gasoline coming from one direction and fire on the other side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of stuff going on here. As if you're a theme park guy, you're like, oh, <laughs> I totally. This is brilliant. <laughs> totally. And of course, at this moment, when the fuel tank goes up, that's when uh, Bellick and the other Nazis go, Jones, Jones. <laughs> um, and now Indy spots the gas and knows that bad stuff is about to happen. Pat Roach, the big guy, he doesn't really seem to care about any of this. Right. He just likes beating up the little guy. He's and singularly you know, focused. And, and this, is a, this is a heroic moment because he's, he's trying to tell him, like, this is, this, we're both going to die here. Right. And he's like, uh, you're trying to trick me. Right. If he hadn't done the ball shot, maybe he'd have listened to him. If he hadn't maybe done he the ball shot. Maybe he could have negotiated a little bit. He could have been like, oh, well, you know, you haven't you haven't steered me wrong yet. You haven't tried to trick me. What is going on over here? No. You did the ball shot. I don't believe you. Not trustworthy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he drags Indy off of that plane. And he is going to just destroy him. Indy oh, yeah. goes down. Totally helpless. Realize he can't beat this guy. And then looks up. And what is coming his way? propeller again i love the way spielberg does this and the fact that we don't see it yeah there's a spray of blood and we're left to imagine the i mean the horribleness of what happened to this guy (laughs) yeah yeah and there's no scream or anything oh no it's (laughs) basically it that was a good sound effect (laughs) thank you that's basically it well and what's interesting about it too is in a weird way, I feel bad for him in that moment. Oh, yeah. I have like a oh. <laughs> and, and 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 again, this is something that this is exactly the way he dies. It's not the exact method, but that's how Pat Roach dies in Temple of Doom. Because oh, he's yeah. the huge guy with the turban fighting Indiana Jones on the conveyor belt, right. who's you know, whose scarf or whatever gets pulled into the rock crusher and he gets smushed. That's yeah. right. Yeah. He gets flattened. Oh. Yep. <laughs> it, it, it's it's funny, uh, there are times when movies steal from themselves mm. and it's kind of feels satisfying. And there are times where it's just like you're repeating the same gag yeah. from last time and it's horrible. Um, and we can decide later yeah. which one this one, that one is. Yeah. And he manages to shoot the 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 thing to get Marion out of that uh that dome where the machine gun is, and they run out just as the plane explodes. Yeah. Uh and we hear the the theme and later. Bellick and the Nazis are looking at the wreckage. The tower blows up for no reason I quite understand. <laughs> and once again, he says, Jones. <laughs> Sala is running around and finds his friends. <laughs> I love his lines. <laughs> Holy smokes, my friends. I'm so pleased you're not dead. <laughs> that is a great bit of writing right there. There's so many, there's like multiple really good things about that line. Well, it's yeah. funny because it's that's that's the that's the type of English that someone who does not speak English as their first language would say. Right, right. <laughs> Whereas clearly <laughs> he speaks English, like that's his language. Yeah, right. So do you hear it come out so so awkwardly like that? It's very funny. <laughs> Holy smokes. Um, well, it's not his first language. You don't think Salah? Sala? No, he's Egyptian. Oh, okay. I don't think it's his first. I, I guess. I guess I was just thinking John Rhys Davies. Yeah, I was thinking. Yeah, I thought you were mentioning John Rhys Davies. Yeah. Indy, Indy, we have no time. If you still want the ark, it has been loaded onto a truck for Cairo. Truck? What truck? Truck? What truck? <laughs> Which I I don't know why truck what truck is just such a that 
that moment, seeing the movie for the first time, was where I think what solidified who Indiana Jones is. Yeah, this guy's not gonna quit. Whatever's how ha- he's gonna keep going. Whatever is going to happen, despite everything he has been through up to this point, mm-hmm. it's just truck. What truck? And he's gonna go. And for an audience, it's the roller coaster ride that just keeps going. Yeah, <laughs> that is exactly that was exactly what I was gonna say. Is that we just went from the Well of Souls, the huge action set piece there, to the fight for the plane, which is a fantastic action set piece, and we're about to roll into what I think is not only the greatest action set piece in this film, but one of the greatest of all time with no breaks between. Yeah. Had that I don't think that had ever happened in film before in this way. Yeah. Except maybe watching serials where it was continued next week. Right, right. But that was continued next week. Yeah. And I think this roll from one action sequence right into the other changes Hollywood forever. Yeah. The action movies. You know, we've talked about other films on here on the Cinephiles kind of change like you used to talk about all the time, ruined movies or whatever. Like this is the beginning of the there is probably no Schwarzenegger, no Stallone, no none of this kind of stuff without kind of Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark first showing you that there's an appetite for these action type movies. Because they weren't in the seventies. There were action movies, but they weren't like this. Not like, like this. You know? And I think you also see the skill. Um, that it took to make this movie because the people that would replicate it later, it's not as satisfying. Yeah. There's just something missing yep. from it. Agreed. Well, yeah, I mean, it is the craftsmanship of Raiders that is, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, and this is why it's the first movie we ever reviewed on the Cinephiles. And it's the first movie I said that this is in the category of great films that ruined Hollywood. Yeah. You know, it is unquestionably one of the greatest films of all time. And the imitation of it throughout history has been not the best thing for our. For, for film, yeah. as, as you know, as an art form, the closest I think he ever came to it again was Jurassic Park, and even that I think still pales in comparison to well, yeah, Raiders. I mean, yeah. it, it, certainly the second half of Jurassic Park, there's a lot of action. Yeah, the first hour of Jurassic Park, there's no action. Yeah, right. Meet me at Omar's. Be ready for me. I'm going after that truck. Oh, I don't know. I'm making this up as I go. <laughs> Cut to Indy on the horse. don't know if when I was 13, I cheered, but I think I might have. <laughs> Indy on the horse is just like, oh my God, where are we going to go? And the music is great. Yeah. And he's charging after the sort of the caravan of the truck with the arc. And he rides down this hill and we go into the truck sequence. Yeah. I didn't realize that Steven Spielberg didn't shoot most of this. Nope, mm. that was the Michael Moore, I believe his name yep. was. He's the, yep. he's the he's the second unit director, and he uh, Spielberg in, uh, extensively storyboarded it, and he went over all the storyboards and exactly what he wanted on each of the shots. But he didn't. He was off shooting other stuff. Yeah, and so a lot of this he wasn't there for. He shot some of the close ups. Yeah, but other than that, didn't shoot it. And and one of the things I think so when you shoot a film, particularly back in the day, you have what's called dailies, which is you you shoot your film and then it goes off to be developed. And the next morning or the next evening, the day after you shoot, usually you get to look at all the footage you shot. Which is and the reason you do that is because once you leave a location, it's really expensive to go back. Yeah, and so being able to look at what you shot and go, oh, we're missing that close up. I need an insert of this. This shot ended up being out of focus. We're gonna have to redo that or whatever it is is really important. Well, when you're shooting in Tunisia, dailies have to be shipped to London, developed, yeah. and shipped back. So it was several days, three, four days before Spielberg got to see dailies. Mm. 
the dailies he was most excited and nervous about seeing was what is Mickey Moore shooting on the truck sequence mm. so that he can know that he's on the right track. That's kind of amazing to me. Yeah. So, Indy rides along this ridge. And we hear the theme as he comes down that hill and goes heads up uh, to the guys in the truck who immediately open fire on him with machine gun. He goes behind the truck, and I'm just going to go through what happens on this thing. Go for it. It all happens really fast. Rides up next to the truck, jumps onto the truck, climbs in, throws one guy out, attacks the driver, punches him. The truck is swerving around all over the place. He slams on the brake, throws one guy out, and now they start crashing through the scaffolding. And as they crash through the scaffolding, they knock a bunch of guys out who are working on this building or whatever, and he and the truck driver share a little laugh. <laughs> and this is this thing that happened it happened in the gunfight where he, with the guy that went in the shoot them both moment, he, he shot the other guy and he has this moment. And then the next moment, he's going to take out that guy and yeah. throws him out of the truck. But the reason they were able to have that laugh is because he didn't kick the driver in the balls. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. It's really essential for male-to-male communication. Yep. It's very important. <laughs> Let that be a lesson to you folks out yes. there. Don't begin your relationships with other men by kicking them in the balls. Uh, yeah. Unless you are positive, you can finish. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Still I... coming back from that. Uh, now he is driving, and he... He pushes uh, Bellock and their convertible off the road. Another car is coming up behind. It's got machine guns. He rams them. They spin out. And now Indy's kind of smiling. He has a sort of having a good time. <laughs> Motorcycle comes up with a sidecar. And he knocks them into the water. Bellock looks back. And here comes the machine gun car again. And he pushes them right off a cliff. Yeah. <laughs> but we're not done. Because that's just sort of the warm-up. Because in the back of his truck, in addition to having the arc... He's got a whole bunch of Nazis. Mm -hmm. And the big guy, who is, we assume, sort of the sergeant, tells the guys to go out and get them. And he and the the soldiers climb out of the truck, and they start coming up on either side, climbing along the outside of the truck. It's just so exciting, this sequence. I I think we were talking about uh, when we did Mad Max Road Warrior. Yeah, I was just going to look it up to see... Where they this come is out right this, afterwards. I think they're the same year. Are they? Okay, I, I was just going to look it up yeah. right now because I was thinking about that. These two car sequences just elevate this whole genre to just a whole new level. Came out 81. Yes, same year. Yeah. Okay. Indy, Indy sees them in the side view mirror and he scrapes some of the guys off on palm trees. And I love one of the guys like hanging on because the side of the truck is fabric and it's hanging on and that tears yeah. off and he falls off. Um, and Indy again is smiling right up until... A guy comes around to the door and immediately shoots him in the shoulder. And blood sprays on the inside of the of the truck. And that he kicks that guy off who's hanging on the door and knocks the whole door off. And now the sergeant who had said to the other guys, you guys go, now it's his turn. Right. And again, it's all variation. It's all coming up with new techniques. So we saw the guys going along the sides, and now we're going to see our big guy, the big boss, climb up over the top. And this is the thing. I think I said this, you know, years ago, is this is video game structure. Mm -hmm. You know, you fight the little guys, and then at the end of the level, you're going to fight the boss. And now we're going to go have the boss battle. So this guy climbs along the roof, swings down through the driver's side window, kicks Indy, and takes control of the truck which is kind of amazing what is the first thing he notices he notices that indy has been shot in the shoulder and he gives that shoulder wound some attention with his fists 
brutal. I love it. Then manages to throw him onto the hood of the truck. I have no idea how someone could have the arm strength <laughs> to lift somebody with one arm out of a seat, drive them through a window. Indy flies off the hood, flies in front of the truck, grabs onto the Mercedes emblem. Yeah, that's how you do product placement. <laughs> Well, it, 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 it is. It, it yeah, is. That's but it's it. also, that's the Nazi car. Yeah, exactly. You know, so it's, but, but, but I mean that it's the car used by Nazis. Right. That symbol is a symbol of the Nazis on some level mm-hmm. at this era, and it does not hold up. It starts to bend, and we're, we've got Belloc and his car in front, and they go ram into the back of our car and smush Indy. Yeah. And Indy's hanging out on the front, his legs sort of straddling the, the wheel, and, and, and the I don't know what they're called, but whatever that grill in the front is mm-hmm. starts to bend, which I have no idea why this metal is so weak. I understand why the emblem bent. And just poor, poor German craftsmen. Yeah, German exactly. They they really don't build yeah. solid vehicles. They never have. Um, uh, Mercedes, not unfortunately a sponsor of the Cinema. No, not, not, not anymore. And not anymore. Them, and now we'll I'll be. describe them as the Nazi car. <laughs> We'll have to re-edit that. They're fine, <laughs> fine automobiles. Yes. And just as the car is about to ram into the, the truck, Indy drops under the truck. Yeah. I remember this. I will remember for the rest of my life being in the theater, seeing this moment. Yeah. Because to me, I'd never seen anything, anything like it. And I don't think I'll, I don't think I'll ever see anything that will affect me quite in the same way. Because... I said to myself, how in the hell is he doing this? I didn't know you could do this at the age that I was at when I saw it. To have him crawl, I mean, to have him hold on, and then the move, and it's really, like, it's him. You, there's his face. It's, it's his not face. Harrison Ford under the truck. It's not? No. It's it a, looks it's, just like him. It's a stuntman named Terry Leonard. Oh, my God. It looks just like him when he's doing it, yeah. going under, and the, the way that he does it, pace by pace, it's so believable, so that when he ends up on the other side, it is the most heroic moment of the movie, in my opinion, because he is dead to rights. He is dead. He should not be alive. And somehow, through his ingenuity and troubleshooting the situation, he comes out on top. It's incredible. A guy named Vic Armstrong was Harrison Ford's main stunt double. Terry okay. Leonard did a lot of the car stuff. Okay. Um, and he actually, and it was his idea, that, that move. <laughs> because he had tried to do that stunt on a Lone Ranger movie. Oh. And it did not work out. Like, I think he actually got injured. Wow. No, he did. He got rolled, the, 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 the stagecoach rolled over him. Holy yeah. crap. Yeah. So he suggested it. Like, we... I would love to get this right. Wow. Well, and this is based on a very famous stunt, mm-hmm. which is done by Yakima Kanut. Do you remember when we last talked about Yakima Kanut? I do not. He is the stunt coordinator on Ben-Hur. Oh, oh, right. So with it, the chariot race. The chariot. And it's his son that oh. is the one that flips over the chariot. Yes. And Yakima Kanut is the great horse guy in all of Hollywood history. Mm-hmm. And where he first did this stunt was going under a stagecoach in Stagecoach. Wow. So that's it's that's why Terry Leonard wanted to reproduce it. Yeah. But here's and here's the thing I didn't know is that, and this just makes this it's already a terrifying stunt. Right. When they first go to map it out, the clearance under the truck wasn't high enough. So the truck is you know let's say it's ten inches or eleven inches of clearance, and they needed fourteen or fifteen right, inches right. of clearance. I made up those numbers, but but for a human to fit, and so what they did was they dug a trench that's like four inches deep, <laughs> and it's fairly narrow. So Terry Leonard is being dragged in this trench. God. If he comes out of the trench, he is killed. Right, he's dead. 
because the truck, he'll just be smushed by the truck. The driver of the truck, therefore, has to keep a perfectly straight line within inches while going, you know, 25, however many miles. It's not that fast, right, but, right. but fast enough. And he can't see Terry Leonard under the truck. And that means that Terry, the stuntman, has to trust the stunt driver right. to not vary off this line by an inch or he is going to die. Wow. It's just, uh, uh, it is amazing. And it looks amazing. And this is the thing, you know, real stunts look like real stunts. Yeah. You know, and, and while we can do all this spectacular thing, stuff with CG that we couldn't do before, real stunts look like real stunts. Yeah. You know? And then he pops out the back. He's hooked on with his whip, which apparently has all sorts of different <laughs> devices on it that allows you to hook onto things. Um and dragging behind that is Harrison Ford. Yeah, for some of it, I love his reaction. He's even shocked that he that it worked. His <laughs> oh, yeah. face is so like he's just looking around like, oh my god, this well, really worked. I think Harrison Ford foolishly agreed to get dragged by a truck. <laughs> I don't think that could be a comfortable no, easy because no. there's gonna be dust and oh yeah, crap in your face. And in the behind the scenes, they're saying, Harrison, look up more. Look up. We need to see your face. <laughs> and I'm sure he's like, oh god, <laughs> you come down here and do this. you do this. <laughs> and he pulls himself back up. He gets back onto the truck. He climbs back over the truck. And now it's like, here comes Indy. So awesome. It is fantastic. He turned it around, this whole thing that everyone's coming after him. And him pulling that one move, you're like, oh, hell yeah. Go get these mother effers. Go get them right now. <laughs> it's so awesome. He climbs up, he swings through, he punches the guy, he takes the driver's seat, he repeatedly slams our sergeant into the dashboard, throws him forward, and now he's accelerating. We reverse positions, he's accelerating into the into the other car, and that guy falls off and gets crushed by the wheels. It's a great-looking stunt. I mean, obviously, he's actually in front of the truck. He's not really having the truck right. roll over him, but it looks really good. He runs the other car off the road, and then now that he's alone, the pain hits mm. as Indy drives away. It's a great sequence. Mm -hmm. Just like you said, Harrison Ford takes a beating better than anybody in the world. There's nobody better. There's yeah. nobody better. Back in Cairo, he pulls the truck into Cairo. He immediately pulls into a garage and it, they're, they're <laughs> covered up immediately because Sala's got a lot of friends there. Yeah. And when Bella, they pull into the same area, here come a bunch of guys with some melons and they've lost the truck. <laughs> <laughs> and isn't it Dietrich grabs one of the melons and it throws it? It just tosses it, it down. <laughs> Everything at last has been arranged. The Ark is on board. Nothing is lacking now that you are here. <laughs> oh, what is left of you? And we meet uh, Captain Katanga. Mr. Katanga, these are my friends. They are my family. I will get of it if they are not treated well. I love Katanga's line. Mr. Jones, I've heard a lot about you. Your appearance is exactly as I have imagined. <laughs> <laughs> well, and this is that great mix of comedy as Sala, in a really heartfelt way, goes to give... Indiana Jones, who he clearly loves, a warm hug, <laughs> and it's right on his wounded shoulder. <laughs> Look after each other. I am already missing you. I loved Sala. I love John Reese Davies. He's so great. And then Marion says goodbye to him, kisses him. This is for fire. That is for your children. And this is for you. She kisses him uh, the Austrian goodbye, which we'll cover later. Apparently. <laughs> um, and his reaction to being kissed by her is great. And he walks off singing. A British star is a soaring soul as free as a mountain bird. 
were on the ship. By the way, when they found this ship, they uh, went, oh, man, it's great. It's all beat up. Looks looks terrible. That's just what we want. We said, great, we're going to rent it. We'll be back in a month or two months or whenever it is. And when they come back, it's been painted. (laughs) (laughs) So they had to re-distress it to make it look beat up again. No, no, no. They don't want it this way. We have to make it look good. <laughs> it's Steven Spielberg. It's going to use it. It's beautiful. We don't want to be show. embarrassed. Indy, wounded, battered, bruised, looking at a mirror, trying to clean himself up. Marion shows up in a beautiful nightgown, yes. which was given her by Katanga. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of guys in this movie carry around women's wear. <laughs> you never know. You, you know what? Never know. I think we've learned some real lessons. Yeah. This Don't start your conversations by kicking someone in the balls. Right. Always carry around carry around a nice dress just oh, in case. Always carry a white garment <laughs> and make sure it's one size fits all because you never know. Um, and she goes to look at herself in the mirror, but the mirror is a little blurry. Yeah. He's looking at himself on the other side. She flips the mirror. Oh. The cut to outside the ship and the scream. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> but this is, it's so funny because he just came off of a failed comedy, 1941. And we go, Steven Spielberg can't direct a comedy. Right, right. But Steven Spielberg can direct comedy. He just can't direct a comedy. Not a straight comedy. Yeah. No. He can, I mean, there are really funny moments mm-hmm. in that that particular scream. It's really funny. <laughs> oh, and the Harrison Ford scream also. It's yeah. really, yeah. really funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And we come back in and she's like, what'd you say? <laughs> <laughs> and he's taken off his shirt and she wants to help him. He doesn't want help. And she says, Not the man I knew 10 years ago. Not the years, it's the mileage. <laughs> As a 51-year-old man now, I can tell you, it's both. <laughs> um, and she tries to help him, and he goes, ow. And she tries to help him get his legs up on the bed. Ow. She keeps reacting. He's, he says, like, I don't need a nurse. He's trying to get rid of him. And, and she goes, oh, does this hurt? And he goes, yes, it hurts. <laughs> well, God damn it, anywhere doesn't it hurt? And he holds up his elbow. Here. And she gives his elbow a little kiss, which I think you're actually supposed to kiss the boo-boos, not the non-boo-boos. But I guess, I guess that then he points to the top of his head and goes, Mm -hmm. here. Now, it seems to me that area has been punched a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Is it when he... He points to his eye and goes, well, this, this isn't too bad. I'm like, I'm like, I saw Pat Roach hit you there like at least three or four times. Um, And then, and then. He points to his lips, which again, I would think would be in a lot of pain. And she kisses him and we hear Marion's theme and it's suddenly become very romantic and very beautiful. And you're like, oh, these two people are finally coming together. And then he falls asleep. Yeah. <laughs> which, you know. Makes when, sense. When you're not the man 10 years, you were 10 years ago, you do fall asleep in the middle of lovemaking. There's no lie there. <laughs> or foreplay. You can do that. <laughs> and to it. be fair, he hadn't slept all night and he fought all those people. It is perfectly reasonable <laughs> yeah, for him to fall asleep yeah, right now. You know, I'm sorry, Marianne. And we cut to the hold and we see some rats and we see the crate with oh. the ark. And on the crate with the ark is swastika. And the camera pushes in as we hear the rising droning's mystical sound of something powerful happening and that swastika burns right off the crate on the arc i love that 
I mean, because like this is the time where like my my family's uber religious. We're like you know going to church every Sunday, blah blah. blah. So this idea of the ark and burning off an evil symbol like the Nazi symbol off the ark is like symbolic. You know, this idea that it cannot be touched by evil, that it will destroy evil in any shape and form that it exists, and it kind of is a foreshadowing for what's going to happen to the faces of Belloc and, and sure. what's his face later on. Well, and as a Ju- as a Jewish kid watching the ultimate evil symbol about Jews yeah, in a true. film made by a Jewish director that they haven't dealt with this. Like, And it's not that this film should deal with the Holocaust, but you have the Nazis going after the most theoretically powerful item in the history of Judaism and that item will not abide the symbol being near it. Mm-hmm. The other thing about it is this is the first time there's been magic. Right. Because, because remember, we started with Indiana Jones saying, oh, I don't believe in that hocus pocus. You're talking about the boogeyman. And everybody else saying, no, no, this is some nothing like you've you, anything you've worked with. This is a radio for talking to God. The ark is not meant to be disturbed. It is not meant to be touched by humans. It's powerful. It's dangerous. And at this moment, we go, oh, shit. Right. It is, there is magic in this world. This is a, a mystical thing. God is connected from this. Mm. What's going to happen? We cut back to Marion in uh, Indiana, and he is cocking a gun. What is it? And we also, by the way, have evidence that he woke up. Oh. Because right. her nightgown is now hanging up. Yeah. So I think they did uh, consummate. Oh. I, that's my belief. That's what I think hmm. is we're being told. What he, do you, he just needed a little power nap. He needed a little yeah, power nap. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe she just wrote him while he was asleep. That happens, too. <laughs> Just letting you kids know. Just well, letting Marian, you kids know. I mean, I guess Marion's not good at taking. I mean, she's good at taking what she wants. Marion wants what she wants. She's going to get it when she wants it. That's or maybe the nightgown. Very uncomfortable. Maybe it was uncomfortable. <laughs> it looked comfortable. It looks like, like silk. It looked nice. Yeah. Okay, a lot of possible explanations. Yes, there are. <laughs> but the, thing, the most important thing right now is the engines have stopped. Something's going on. And he goes up to find Katanga, and there, outside in the water, is a Nazi submarine. Yeah, which that submarine is was used for. It was they hadn't shot it yet, but it was for Wolfgang Peterson's Das Boot. Oh wow! That they yep. had they had built that submarine, and they were able to rent it from them before they started shooting. I like that. Isn't that crazy? That's awesome. I had no idea. Um, and he says, "Look, I got a place for you to hide. It's all going to be okay." Uh, Indy starts to run away and sees they've already grabbed Marion. So this is not good. Um, and Indy, I love that the Nazis are now on board and Indy is in, I couldn't find it. What is the name of the big pipe that's on top of the ship? I don't know what that is called either. It looks okay. like a big horn. Yeah, I, don't, I, I mean, I'm sure it has. So all of our nautical cinephiles out mm-hmm. there can tell us. It's not like the smokestack, which mm-hmm. I just drew a blank on what its name mm-hmm. is too. Boy, I'm not doing well in the nautical <laughs> realm. It's not good. It's only a small um, part of the film. But anyway, that's where Indy is hanging out, <laughs> hiding. And we hear that they've gotten the ark and we hear that they haven't found Indy. They have Mary and they're looking around. We see a Nazi smoking a cigarette right in front of Indy who throws one into there. <laughs> what about Jones? Jones is dead. I killed him. And then he makes a play for the girl. Like, okay, take what you want, but leave the girl with us. We have, you know, she'll be valuable where we're going. Yeah. Basically saying we're going to sell her into, you know, some sort of horribleness. And I love that the Nazi calls him a savage. You know, it's like, dude, you're a Nazi. You threw her into a pit of snakes. <laughs> like, I don't think you have a lot of moral high ground here. Right. 
Um, and and again, Bellick is now still making a play for the girl. The girl goes with me. She's be part of my compensation. I'm sure your Fiora would approve. If she fails to please me, you may do with her as you wish. I think this is important to note at this point, because this is the second time he's done this, as, you, as you're pointing out, Steve, that he makes a play for the girl. Belloc is not a necessarily evil guy. Remember, he said, Jones, you and I started yeah. out on the same side. We just have different methods now to get where we want to get to. I think he's so long for this to see what it's all about. He's not a Nazi. He, he's a guy who's intrigued to see what the power is in this artifact, uh, in the Ark. Um, and even his moments of kind of pseudo nobility in these uh, redeem him in a way as you're watching the film you don't fully hate belloc you hate tote there's no redemption for tote but you don't fully hate belloc he seems to be swept along with this thing without really realizing what the consequences are and by the time he does it's way too late i never feel uh i never feel great that belloc dies because i think he's a fascinating character uh, and what happens to him happens. But these moments give you a window into the fact that the guy had some semblance of nobility within him, and, re- and so he's redeemable in that way. Well, and he he wants the arc by any means necessary. Yes. It doesn't matter who he has to team up with. He's all about the final goal. Yeah. Killing Marion doesn't do anything to get that final Great goal. Great point. Great point, yeah. Well, he's... I mean, this is what's so he's interesting not evil. about his... Well, well and, and again, this, you know, I don't think Raiders is a deep philosophical film in any way, mm. but I think this is an interesting point, which is that he doesn't think he's evil. Right. Is that he is, I'm sure, stood around while the Nazis killed all sorts of people and did nothing in order to achieve his personal goal. That's a fair point, actually. You know? Yeah, I hadn't thought but, about that. And what they say to him, well, with the Hovitos, you know, he's happy to have them killed uh, Indiana Jones, yeah. who's not a bad guy. And then what they say to him, when the girl comes up the first time is he says, they say, I didn't expect you to be squeamish. That's not your reputation mm-hmm. is that is that the girl is part of his his mode. He wants the girl. So while he does want to protect her, he wants to protect her because he wants her. It's not that he is against killing innocent people. Right. You know, and well, and this is the thing is that we can. And again, I don't think Raiders is thematically going into this, but but you know, as humans, we can rationalize a lot of stuff yeah. when we're going after the thing that we think is a good on some level. He thinks that finding the ark is important. Mm-hmm. You know, he wants to be able to talk to God. This is an amazing thing to do, and I'm willing. And and wherever we go, how much moral sacrifice are we willing to make? And Bellick's yeah. willing to make a lot. I guess it's it's in between the lines, right? We don't sure. see him like witness the death of these people, no problem, and not break a sweat but you mentioned the squeamish line that's a kind of reading between the lines situation uh and what have you and he does want her but he never forces himself on her. even when he has that opportunity with her in the tent he never tries to sexually assault her it's a he goes along with the game of the drinking and all of that so i but i do take your point like he's clearly like ignored other things the nazis have done in pursuit of this arc so yeah well and he doesn't think he's a bad right of course he doesn't yes 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 um uh, the sub is heading off and the first mate comes up to Katanga. He can't find Jones. <laughs> and again, this is just one of those moments where they're talking and then he goes, ah, I found him. Where? There. <laughs> <laughs> There's Indiana Jones swimming up to and climbing onto the submarine That's as it sends away. So great. <laughs> Incredible swimmer. Yeah. To do that in shoes. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I love, this is just the little details, is he's on top of the conning tower and he uh, spins around in this moment, which is a clear bit of body acting of... Now what do I do? Right. <laughs> you know, it's so clear, like, okay, 
and, and the sub is the sub is going down. Yeah, so like, it's descending. He told us he's making it up as he goes along. He is. I really don't understand how he survives the sub journey. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, they're not obviously they didn't go two hundred feet underwater, right. but it's still he's like in the water. Ten feet. It'll do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah true. Um, Very true. We head off to this island, which they also found this was like an actual sub docking station that they found. Um, a it was, former it was a Nazi, German one. Yeah, a former it? Nazi oh, wow. sub docking station. We pull in under the big swastika flag, and there's Indiana Jones huddled in a corner all wet. Uh, a guard walks by, and he knocks out the guard, and he spots Marion. The lighting is great, and he does what is a classic old trope and again i remember seeing this in the theater where he goes to put on the other guy's uniform and it's too small <laughs> it's so great and then another uh german guard walks up and starts dressing him down for his terrible appearance his hair is close and i love that he's kind of trying to put himself together and then knocks that guy out and then in some magical way, as he takes him out, the hat flies up into the air, which he catches and puts on his head. I know I've said it over and over again on this show, but movies are not one good idea or two good ideas. Yeah. There are thousands of good ideas. And there are so many. And just the hat popping, the, the uniform not fitting, and then the hat popping up and him catching it, mm. it's a fantastic good idea. And those ideas come from anywhere. It doesn't just the director or the actor. Sometimes it's like a production person on set. Absolutely. Sometimes it's an extra every once in a while. And sometimes another actor in the scene. Yeah. yeah. Or sometimes you your your main character is sick and can't do the big fight scene you yeah. choreographed. Yeah. And then we hear the one of the Nazis, I think it's Dietrich, says, Monsieur, I'm uncomfortable with the thought of this Jewish ritual. Are you sure it's necessary? So we go, oh, we're going to do some kind of ritual. And the explanation is, do you really want to go all the way to Berlin and have Hitler open up this thing and have it be empty? Right. And nobody, like, it's strange, like, nobody just kind of peeked inside. <laughs> like, like Indiana Jones didn't peek inside. He's not a believer. Like, if I, I, I don't know, it's, but no one has. This thing has not been open. Um, and now we're outside. Um, we're carrying the Ark in a procession with Nazi banners. And actually, that canyon where they're in, mm. that's the same canyon where uh, R2-D2 was stolen by the Jawas. Oh, wow. Awesome. Same canyon. <laughs> that's, that's cool. So cool. Um, now I have to look at that scene again. <laughs> I wonder how much they look the same. And, uh, and the last person in this procession of German soldiers is, of course, Indiana Jones, who ducks behind some equipment. And then we see him with a bazooka, and he yells, and everyone turns around. Marion's really happy. And he says, I'm going to blow up the arc, Rene. Your persistence surprises even me. Dr. Jones, surely you don't think you can escape from this island. It depends on how reasonable we're all willing to be. All I want is the girl. So he has changed, you know, yeah. before he left her tied up. Because the arc was basically more important, right. and now he has changed his mind, possibly after falling asleep with her the night before, and said, no, no, I just want the girl. And what Belloc does in the next moment is say, great, blow it up. Send it back to God, even to the point of grabbing a machine gun and aiming it at the Nazis. Shut up! Just blow it up! All your life has been spent in pursuit of archaeological relics. Inside the Ark are treasures beyond your wildest aspirations. You want to see it open as well as I. Indiana, we are simply passing through history. This is history. And there's a long pause, and there's some looks, 
And then Indiana Jones lowers the bazooka. Yeah. So he hasn't changed that much. He hasn't changed. <laughs> he thought he had changed. He thought he had changed, but he has not changed. It's interesting that I'm going to just spoil now what our next episode of The Cinephiles is. Because we decided, since we're doing Raiders of the Lost Ark, why don't we, with our, our guest Shannon McClung, do Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? Yep. And this moment, thematically, is something that I think is completely addressed in Last Crusade. Mm, interesting. Is that, is that the idea of what is more important, the artifact or the person... That is something that we see this established with Indiana Jones here. At this moment, the Ark is more important. He yeah. cannot bring himself to destroy the Ark of the Covenant, even if it means his death and Marion's death. Yep. It's nighttime. The Ark is being brought up to an altar. Belloc is speaking Hebrew. He is dressed in what is actually sort of the old Hebrew traditional outfit as best as they can do it. The Nazis are filming it, which I think is a great detail. Mm -hmm. um, because is it, like, is it like a rabbi outfit? Yeah. Okay. Not a current rabbi outfit, but actually like ancient with the thing on the chest and there's like stones and I can't tell you what all those pieces really right. mean, but that is actually like the old, old timey, old timey wow. rabbi outfit. The reason I think the filming is interesting is the Nazis left filming everything. Yeah. They loved film, and they even filmed things that you just go like, why did you film the Holocaust? And yet they did. You know, so the fact that they're choosing to document this historic moment is important. And they finally open up the ark. And we don't see what they see at first. And there's kind of a reaction. And Belloc reaches in, down into the ark and lifts up his hand, and sand drips through his fingers. Do you think it's sand, or do you think it's that the tablets evaporated over time? Uh, this is, I, we don't know, of course. But I think what they think is that, oh, it's just filled with sand. Gotcha. That's what I, that's what I think. Right, initially in that moment. But then again, yeah. the Ark has a power. Yeah. It can delude you into seeing whatever it wants to see, you to see. So it could be they wanted it so badly, there's sand. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think if the right people opened it, yeah. maybe the maybe. Ten Commandments. Mimits will be there. Right. That's what I, but, but yeah, obviously we don't know. Do we ever reestablish if Belloc is Jewish or not? I just assumed he's not. Yeah, right. I would assume but, he's just French. Okay. Yeah. But I but I don't think it's ever said. Why is it never said? I don't know. I mean, it would be, be weird that the Nazis clothes? are working with a Jew. That would be my guess as well, that they wouldn't, oh, ha they wouldn't have hired him if they if he was Jewish. They work with Jews in the, in the uh, concentration camps all the time. They were making sure that they put Jewish people in charge of Jewish people to make sure things happen. So it wouldn't be beyond them to do that, to use him until they can kill him and discard him. But you're right. It's never mentioned. So I just, it just, because he has the rabbi robes there. I just, to me in my head, I'm thinking, well, I mean, why would someone put that on and thinking it means anything if they actually aren't actually committed to that religion? So, well, that, it's it's funny, that's exactly me. my thought. And, yeah. and it's funny, as a Jewish person, my instant reaction was, and this was just totally irrational, but yeah. it's like, well, that bad guy can't be Jewish, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, but, but to me, to me, that what, what you just said is the key is like, God, if there is a God, God knows enough to judge whether or not the fact that you're doing the ritual perfectly, yeah. it's not going to fool God. It's irrelevant. Yeah. It's yeah. Um, and Tote starts laughing. Um, <laughs> Such a great laugh. Yeah. <laughs> And then we start to hear sounds. And they're apparently like human sounds and animal sounds played through synthesizer. And sparks go through the equipment and knock out all the cameras. And the lights all blow out. And Indiana Jones has a reaction. Yep. He starts to know something is up. 
And you got to, and, and this is what I find so interesting is he is the guy who's not a believer, mm-hmm. but he is also the guy who's, who really knows things. And so at this moment, his brain has to shift from, oh, I'm wrong. You know, like yeah. this is really happening. And if it's really happening, my knowledge is telling me what is happening. Right. Um, and there's kind of a moment of silence. And then we hear this drumming sound. And we hear the theme of the arc and smoke comes out of the arc and some of the Nazis start to run. And Indiana Jones tells Marion not to look. Marion, don't look at it. Shut your eyes, Marion. Don't look at it no matter what happens. What is the story in the Old Testament where the city is being destroyed? It's Lot's wife and Sodom and Gomorrah. She and she turns around, and yeah. that's when she turns turned into, into a, a pillar. pillar of salt. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this is a classic sort of. Mm-hmm. And I always this is also part of my. You know, we discussed my atheism. Mm. In our last thing is like, wait, God is gonna. There's this person who's been kidnapped and torn horrible things to as she was taken to Sodom and Gomorrah, and her husband has done this heroic thing to save her. And just because she looks back, he turned her into a pillar of salt. Oh, yeah. Like Old Testament God didn't mess around. He, no, he didn't. <laughs> New, New Testament God's not that nice. He was hard on the ladies, too, that, that Old Testament God. It's a little <laughs> hard on the ladies. I'm not going to lie to you. But no, this is also interesting, too, in this moment, because you, you're right, Steve. Uh, you imagine Indiana, and this is us, part of what the cinephiles is, is kind of looking and analyzing these kind of situations. And you look at the situation here, it's clear that Indy makes that decision because, believe it or not, he knows what the legends are, what the stories are. So he knows, like, okay, if I'm sensing this evil, this is what happens. As soon as he thinks, he's like, okay... From what I've read or what I remember, close your eyes. If you look at it, it will kill you. Right. Because you can't look upon it. Because he even says that, like Moses in the story of Moses, right. Moses on the burning, he is a burning, God is a burning bush because Moses cannot look upon God. He cannot right. conceive of what God would look like. It would, he would die instantly. And so that kind of concept of it is in play here. If you look at God, he will destroy or it will destroy you. Yeah. And we see uh, lights start to go around and swirl around people. One guy gets lifted up. Another guy has it swirling around him. And it seems like it itches him and he goes down low. Spielberg's direction of that guy is it's flies are flying all around you. Which is, again, a great direction yeah. to someone who's really an extra. And then we see this woman's face. And she's beautiful, which is what Bellick says. This is, by the way, filmed by having an, a woman actress swimming in a pool. Oh wow! With uh, with all these uh, fabrics going off of her, and then that was animated to create this effect. Now, is he? Does he say it to Indiana? Doesn't he say it? To Indiana? It's beautiful, Indiana. Or does he saying it to himself? He, he's saying it to everyone. I right. Think. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Hold on a second. I just felt gross. You all right? All right. Yeah. Ooh. I don't know. Just had a like. You ever have like a weird wave of nausea? Yeah. Well. As soon as we started talking about Old Testament God, the noise ramped up. You got nauseous. Yeah, I'm feeling good. Don't fuck around, man. <laughs> All you non-believers. Hey, don't fuck around with this shit. Go ahead. John and I feel fine. It's the atheist. It's the atheist. It was burning up. <laughs> might have, I might have to keep this in. <laughs> <laughs> don't finish the story, man. <laughs> Maybe one of us should take it from here. Anyway, go ahead. Well, and this is right at the moment where the an- this angel turns into what I think of as the angel of death. Yes. And the reaction among Belloc and the Nazi, the other Nazis is instantaneous. You get the sense that they are looking into the pit of hell. It's horror. Full horror. 
And and now uh, Indy is yelling to Marion, don't marry, keep your eyes shut. And Bella looks down and light surrounds him and it, it goes up to him and it shoots out into all the Nazis. And it is great. I think this effect still holds out. Oh, I think yeah. some of the animation, maybe less so. But this one looks great. And part of what they did was when you look at how they shot it, all those Nazis have lights that they're hanging around their neck. So there's practical lights in addition to the effects oh, made by ILM. And then we get the, the three faces. Mm-hmm. We have Dietrich, whose face collapses. We have Bella, whose face explodes. Yeah. And by the way, this was a really gruesome face explosion, and this was going to give them an R rating. That's why they added the flames. That's why they added the pillar of fire in front of his face. And the best one, of course, is Tote. Oh, Tote's the best. <laughs> it still gets used as a meme for when you look upon something you don't look at. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on Twitter, all the time. Like, ah! <laughs> um, and, and this was a... I mean, so for all three of these guys, they had to have... Not only did they have to have molds made of their face, which is where you lie down and they put, you know, this the, the same kind of material they use to make dental impressions mm-hmm. all over your face and you have to sit motionless for an hour to have this impression take. But for these guys, they had to do it while maintaining a screaming facial expression. Right. Can you imagine going like for an hour? <laughs> it just sounds like torture. I, I had a face cast done oh, one time right. and it is awful. Yeah. It's awful because you can feel the plaster hardening. And, you know, they wrap you in like a like a garbage bag and there's someone from the team there that's like holding your arm, like like kind of rubbing your arm. Yeah. And when it happened with me, it was getting close to the end, but they walked away for about five seconds. Wow. And I started to have a panic attack and I was like, <laughs> you got to get me out of here. Get me out of here. Get me out of here. Did you yeah. did you have were you breathing through straws? Yep. In yeah. my nose. Again, but this is the theme. Yeah. This is not easy. Like there are part. Yes, it's wonderful to be an actor. It sounds great. There's stuff that's hard. Yeah. And. And, and then after this, they take that impression, they built a skull, and layer by layer, they built skin and bone and hair and blood vessels and all this stuff with this material that they knew they could melt, and then they heated it, and they shot it at one frame a second, so stop motion, to then melt all those layers off. Wow. It's a great, great effect. Yeah, this is why, you know, when Shane and I were working at Universal Studios as characters, there was the possibility of playing the mayor? Of Whoville. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Shannon talked me out of it because you wear that Whoville mask eight hours oh, a day. And if you're sick, you can't blow your nose. You have to take tissue, you have to take Q tips to take the snot out of your nose. Jam it up the nose. To jam it. As soon as he said that to me, I didn't audition for it because yeah. that kind of would expose my anxiety like nuts. That no, kind I, of trapped feeling. You know? I'm a little claustrophobic, yeah. and, and like I couldn't handle it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't think I was claustrophobic until until the face cast. Yeah, and when you as it hardens, stuff starts to sound far away. Oh. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> I I uh, I where I really when I, I was in an MRI when I had herniated oh. a disc. Oh, and like there was I, and there was the position they put me in, and they and I'm a big guy, so my shoulders are right up against the walls of the thing, and my knees were up on a thing, and I remember sitting there in this thing with loud noises going, if there was an earthquake or something, and I had to get out of here. Oof. I was literally going, I don't know that I could get myself out of here right now. You'd be like the Hulk, man. You'd be the ripping shit. And I started to have the, and then, oh, this is the worst thing. I know it's a digression in a long episode, but, but so I said, okay, you got to be calm down. So I go slow, deep breathing, just slow, deep, meditative breathing. And the guy, cause they could talk to you says, are you moving a lot? And I'm like, no, I am a hundred percent still. I was really, I haven't moved at all. And they're like, you're not breathing deeply, are you? <laughs> and I went, yeah, I am. It's like, we need you to breathe shallow. 
breathe shallow because my chest going up and down was blurring the MRI image. And I was like, so now I'm in, the, in this thing near panic attack going. <laughs> and I was like, this is not helping me. <laughs> but we digress. So flames shoot out, wipe out all the rest of the Nazis. There's a pillar of fire that goes up into the air carrying the lid of the ark. Again, it's this little tiny detail. That's spinning around. Marion and Indy are in this, you know, firestorm. And then the lid comes down, down, down and slams right back on top of the ark. And it is silent. Yeah. That moment is amazing. It is. And the lightning bolts are in the eyes of the Nazis to burn out their eyes for having having watched or seen Mm -hmm. that. And then the screaming between Indy and Mary, oh. because it's terror. It's full on terror because it's all around you. And you can see the things pause around for just a second around Indiana and Marion and move on. It's just, just like, man, it's so this, it's incredible. This whole film has led to this really horror induced moment. Oh, yeah. A moment of pure terror that I could put up against any moment in a horror film. Uh, and it's been led up to all these fun uh, action moments, and yes, you've got Nazis, but it all leads to this really brutal moment. You're just like, this is this is what takes these moments like this in this film are what takes it to the next level and makes it one of the greats ever. It is literally terror of biblical proportions. Yes, yeah. that's what it feels like. And 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 the other cool thing is that we look down and Marion and Indy are not tied, and their wrists are yeah, smoking. Right. So in addition to God or the angel of death or whatever wiping out all the Nazis, it also freed Indy and Marion. Yeah, um, but not if she had opened her eyes. In that case, <laughs> yeah, you're right. done. You're done. Washington D.C. You've done your country a great service. We thank you, and uh, we trust you found the settlement satisfactory. Well, the money's fine. The situation is totally unacceptable. Well, gentlemen, I guess that just about wraps it up. Where is the ark? And the answer is, the ark is somewhere very safe. And Marcus says the Ark is a source of unspeakable power and it has to be researched. And it will be, I assure you, Dr. Brody, Dr. Jones, we have top men working on it right now. Who? Top men. (laughs) That is so great. This next scene is a pickup. Oh. They thought they were going to go straight from here to the warehouse. And the editor, Michael Kahn, said, "Um, we've lost Marion. We need... A more resolution on the Marion story. So they do after, in the middle of editing, they go out and shoot this thing on the steps of whatever the government building is. It's there is Marion. And Indy is bitching about the bureaucratic fools. Bureaucratic What'd fools. What'd they say? I don't know what they've got there. And she goes, Well, I know what I've got here. Come on. Buy a drink. You know. A drink. And they go arm in arm and they walk away. And then we cut to the Ark in in a box being rolled into this warehouse. It says, top secret army intel, do not open. And the box pushes back and back and back into this huge warehouse filled with boxes. And we hear the indie theme as the cameras roll. Such a great movie. And that ending is great. Because it ends with that mystery of like, uh-huh. holy shit. And what the hell's in all these boxes? Right. <laughs> but it's also, if you look at it, yet another government Absolutely. trying to acquire this power in order to rule the world. 
just because it's our government doesn't necessarily make it seem like it doesn't necessarily mean it's a good thing. No. So I found that to be like as the years have gone on as a kid, I was great. It's America, blah, blah, blah. But as you get older and you you hear about all the nefarious things America's done in its past for overthrowing and coups and juntas and things of that nature, you go, wow, this actually has a more resonant meaning. And I don't know if maybe Spielberg wanted to put that in there. But oh, I think so. you think so? Oh, yeah. yeah. Then it's certainly a resonant. Yeah, right. We're, we're just, what, four years out of Vietnam, that kind of stuff. So, yeah. So you it's a little resonant meaning of, like, the evil is all relative. Yeah. The evil is any government holding on to something this powerful, it should not happen. Well, and even if even if the U.S. government is perfect and honorable, yeah. they're not treating this arc correctly. Fair point. Like, they, like what top men? Who is, I mean, we yeah. know that this thing can is really, really dangerous, right. and they're just putting it in a box, in a huge room with a whole bunch of other boxes. <laughs> yeah. I know we don't really talk about the fourth cinematic adventure yeah. of Dr. Henry Jones Jr., <laughs> but when the title had not been announced and they were but they were shooting it and there was all this sort of online speculation of like what's going to be the mcguffin what's going to be the mcguffin and like it, it was it was it was uh, either in a publicity shot or we found out that there's an action scene in that warehouse there was a rumor online, which I wish, yeah, I don't know, um, that the MacGuffin was going to be the Ark of the Covenant. Oh again. wow! Well, I think again, again, I know I've made jokes that this movie doesn't exist. When I went to see it, the fact that we open in this warehouse, mm. I thought was awesome. In fact, the first several minutes of that movie, I was like, "This is it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's great." Like we introduce Indy with a shadow, and I was like, "It's it." And then you know, I remember watching it, going like. It still could be good. It's still, it's still, it's still could be good. It's gonna be okay. Survive in the refrigerator. And like, oh, that's the moment. That's believable. That is the moment. Yep, that's the moment. You're in or you're out. Yeah, always. Like, no. Film. I think the moment watching that movie when I was like, "Oh, something's terribly wrong." It was when the Paramount logo became the Prairie Dog Hill, and the Prairie Dog was CGI. Uh, I was like, no, uh, you can't. You couldn't even get a Prairie Dog. Wow. By the, by the time you get point. to the monkeys and swinging around, I oh, was like, yeah, Lord. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm out. Yeah. To me, yeah. I'm like, if you accept the refrigerator thing, then anything that comes after you can't complain about. That's <laughs> the moment. If you stick around, don't cry to me about aliens or monkeys or anything like this, because if you stuck around and you're okay with that moment. Anyway, yeah, we're talking about the number one. Raiders of the Lost Ark was a big, <laughs> was a big hit. It, it it obviously was number one the open weekend. It made $384 million worldwide. At the time, it was in the top five films. Top five box office films ever made. It was nominated for nine uh, Oscars. Including Best Picture, correct? Including Picture and Director. It won for Art Direction, Editing, Sound, Sound Effects, Visual Effects. Four Oscars total. How did it not win for score? My goodness. Williams has only won once or twice in his entire career. It's insane to me. I wonder what did one for score. I don't know. Ooh, I'll take a look while you guys think. And and, and I really think this is what launches the 80s. You know, Mm. this along with Star Wars and and Jaws, which obviously is much earlier, but that is the direction that we're going to go. We're going to go away from the personal auteur filmmaker and towards this really tight, well-structured film that we see over and over again in the 80s. I mean, it, it. You know, obviously, we've already talked about that. I think this is one of the great films that ruined Hollywood. Um, uh, do you have the answer? Oh no, you guys keep talking. I'll, I'll, I'll got, get there. I got nothing. You got nothing left? <laughs> no, I mean, I have final thoughts, but uh, no, I, don't Look, I survived sure. nausea. Which I've recovered from. That was such a weird like, way to like. All of a sudden, I'm like, I don't feel good. <laughs> it's staying in now. Yeah. Reference it twice. That's true. Uh, let's see here. Looking at music original score, right? Yeah. Yep. So the music original score. Um, 
All right, so that's... Oh, is it Chariots of Fire? Oh, uh, uh, no, no, no. Here we go. Here we go. So it's an 82 one. It's the 82 one, not the 81 one. I always... So that was my fault. I thought it was... I always get confused at how they list these things. Um, all right. the, it might be Chariots of Fire Give that year. Two seconds. It might have been, which is all right with me, actually. So, um, Well, and the, the thought that you got the theme to Indiana Jones and the Chariots of Fire theme in the same year is... Well, I'm not sure about that, but it could be. We'll see. Music original <laughs> score. All right. If music. you did. It's pretty incredible. Uh, yeah, it was Chariots of Fire, uh, uh, Dragon Slayer... Dragon Slayer. On Golden Pawn, mm-hmm. Ragtime, and Raiders of the Lost Ark, Chariots of Fire 1. Wow. Vangelis. Yeah. I can't argue that. That's no, that's a great a, score. It is a great score. So I, I I think we should do that movie this year. I haven't seen it Please. in... I, I know it's one of your favorites. It I is. haven't seen it in 20 years. I watched it over and over again. Yeah. So that's a coming soon on the Cinephiles. Movie. Good. That's like that's in my top ten. And it's an Olympic year. So it is. this should Perfect be we order. should that should be our Olympic film. That's Jewish versus Catholic. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Just like us. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Except I think they're they're Protest- Oh no, he's he's Catholic. He's Catholic. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um Shannon, do you have final thoughts on this fine film? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Indiana Jones is probably my favorite uh, cinematic character. I mean, I grew up with Star Wars, love Luke Skywalker, um, but Indiana Jones is my guy. I mean, he's uh, watching Raiders and Temple of Doom and Last Crusade. These are the movies that made me, that, that got me excited to be an actor, but it's really what got my brain going as a writer. And yeah, if you if you get a chance to see it on the big screen here in uh, Los Angeles during the summer, um, the ArcLight will do a lot of uh, screenings of '80s movies. Oh, yeah. um, if you get a chance to see it on the big screen, see it on the big screen. It does not disappoint. Yeah. How about you? Um, this is one of those films that you think every time you watch it, there's no way it still holds up. There's no way it still holds up. It is what three, four decades later almost, and it still holds up. It still carries the same power that it carried before the same joy the same fun the same ingenuity it shows you what movies are capable of in the hands of incredible artists like spielberg like harrison ford like john williams with his score like so many people with cinematography everything involved in this film it's one of those perfect well i wouldn't say perfect but it's almost near perfect films that if you were to if an alien was to land on the earth and you were to say and there was like what is this thing called movie you show them Raiders of the Lost Ark and they are immediately, they understand the medium and its possibilities. And I think this is one of those movies that stands the test of time and has transcended into a classic a classic conversation. People call modern classics versus classics. I think this belongs in the classics category uh, with oh, yeah. along of, of the other great films that have been nominated or won Best Picture. 100%. Certainly, certainly that, and that's what's incredible about it. And it spawned all these awesome, act, this action movie genre. For better or worse, it spawned it. Sure. And it is still, though, the Citizen Kane, for lack of a better term, for using Scott Manson's terms, the Citizen Kane of action movies. I think it is. So uh, I have I have two sets of final thoughts. Mm. One one is about the movie itself, and then one is actually something I was thinking about the cinephiles. Which is, mm. but but to start with the film, I've already said that I think Steven Spielberg is the great storyteller of all directors. The clarity of his storytelling and the craftsmanship you can see in every single shot of this film. Yeah. It is so beautifully put together. And this idea of being inventive and the idea of how many great ideas does it take to make a great movie? I challenge you to count how many great little things there are and you will i'm certain come into the thousands you know there's just so many little moments of shots and actions and little things adding to the fight scenes the way he constructs all this stuff it's absolutely brilliant i think i will put this movie into another category in addition to great Mm -hmm. films that ruin hollywood i think this might be a perfect film I mean, I cannot think of a thing, a flaw in the movie. I will. Uh, you know, it beats the Marion stuff. It keeps it <laughs> yeah. from being a perfect film for there me. There you go. There you go. 
Um, so that that's what I think about Raiders of the Lost Ark. But this also led me to another epiphany. And it's funny because this is the film that was our first film that we ever did. And now we're redoing it. So I was thinking about the cinephiles and what has made it so special for me to be working on this show with you and mm-hmm. with great guests like Shannon is is that, of course, it, it does bring together things that I love, which is I love film and that in the last decade I've become a teacher. And so teaching is something which, you know, I, I do in my profession and also kind of do here and mm-hmm. brings that together. I love to learn new things. So the opportunity to learn something new every week is just really, uh, you know, valuable to me. And the yeah. fact that I had some experience as a documentary film editor like that has kind of gone into the cinephiles. But I also realize something else which is that so so this i think i mentioned that i we showed this film to my son Mm -hmm. and uh there'd always been a list we've always watched movies and stuff with him but there's always been a list of movies that karen and i have said oh i can't wait for you to be old enough to watch this one and those are things whether it was die hard or rocky or jaws or it's just our favorite films it's like it's gonna be so great when jacks is old enough to share that with him and this is the first movie on that list Mm. where we finally we kind of looked at each other we were doing it for the show and i went is jacks old enough to watch indiana jones we kind of went yeah he is and the joy I felt in getting to share this movie that I love yeah. with my son was so powerful. And this is what it made me think about is that it's very easy in our world to tear stuff down. Mm. You know, in fact, I really believe the fastest, easiest way you can't think of conversation. You want to connect with someone, criticize something, mm. you know, whether it's the traffic was horrible. The, our boss is a jerk. The weather sucks. The political situation is awful. The rise of St- Skywalker is a horrible movie. Whatever it is, <laughs> that is the instant way to sort. That's the easiest thing to do is to tear something down. But I've found that for me, like the deep, profound relationships in my life are all because we share things that we love. Mm-hmm. And sharing Raiders of the Lost Ark with my son and having him love it too, that was just a great experience. And what it made me realize was every week... You and I get to get together and share something we love. And that's like, what an amazing thing to be able to do. And the fact that then I get to share this thing that I love with all of the people listening to the show, Mm -hmm. that's like, I think it makes me a healthier person. And so I just wanted to say thank you to you and thank you, Mm -hmm. Shannon, for coming on the show. And thank you for all the people that listen that allow us to do this. I'm so lucky to be able to have the cinephiles. Yeah, it's a fun, fun show. That's for sure. <laughs> and, we do, and we do enjoy doing it. And that's because it's both of us uh, started doing this because of our love of films. And why not being able to share it with other people? It's a great. Well, very well said, Steve. Very well said. So that's what we think of Ra- Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. If you want the full later <laughs> title. Of course, we always want to hear what you think. Please visit us on our Facebook page. Do a search for the cinephiles. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. You can uh, leave your comments on YouTube. Please leave your views on iTunes. They're really, really important to the show. And having other people to discover it. If you want to support the show or pick a film for us to do, you can go to patreon.com slash the cinephiles. We also record cinephile shorts there. In fact, our most recent one was an interview with our good friend, Shannon McClung. That's going to be up this week. And uh, as always, if you want to reach me, you can reach me on Twitter at SR Morris, on Instagram at SR Morris One. John, what about you? You can always reach me at The Roca Says on Twitter and on Instagram. Don't forget to subscribe to my burgeoning YouTube channel, www.youtube.com slash John Roca. And of course, download the top 10. Download uh, the Geek Buddies over there that I do with Shannon McClung and Michael Vogel on uh, uh, the wherever you download podcasts. And yeah, what's, I can't reiterate what Steve said enough. Please leave us ratings. Please leave us reviews. It helps to make the show be more known, being seen by more people, and draw more attention to the cinephile. So you all love how much we do the show. You all love the show as much. Please share it with everybody you know as well. 
Um, and Shannon, if people wanted to reach you, where would they do so? Well, you can hear me every week on the Geek Buddies with John and Michael Vogel. Um, if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. Uh, if you would go to my Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash Shannon McClung fan page and give that a like, um, that would be wonderful. My agent and manager would be very, very happy. <laughs> um, also, uh, yeah, I think this uh, both of them will have aired by then. But if you would like to see me on t- t- television, you can see me on the Second episode of Brooklyn Nine Nine that is will be on Hulu and on NBC.com of this season of this season, season yeah. six or seven I think uh, uh, season seven season seven yeah season seven episode two um, and you can also see me on the most recent episode of the Goldbergs um, on ABC.com or Hulu.com and I I don't know what the episode number is but the title is Dave Kim's Party oh well there you go, there you go. <laughs> um, and since we're throwing out things for you to reach us you can also reach the Cinephiles mm-hmm. it has its own Twitter and Instagram feed it's Cine underscore files on Twitter and it's the Cinephiles podcast on Instagram and with that I've already announced what our next film is going to be we're going to be back next week with Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade <laughs>